Hi, folks. Today's podcast is brought to you by FantasyAces.com, the premier destination for daily fantasy sports and home to incredible once-in-a-lifetime big-ticket live championship finals for pro and college football, baseball, and basketball. Join FantasyAces.com today and claim your 200% first-time deposit bonus with promo code 4 for 4 That's 4-F-O-R-4. One, two, three into the four. Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the door. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Welcome to the week two edition of DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports' most valuable podcast. I'm 4 for 4 senior DFS editor Chris Raybon, and here is always with me, my co-host, TJ Hernandez. What up, TJ? What's up, Chris? I'm excited for week two. Uh, all that off-season research we did all year, well, you know, a lot of it went down the drain. It's time to go back to the drawing board. Great thing about football, we get to, we get to go through the puzzle and rebuild every week. I'm excited. Definitely. But first things first, before we break down our picks for week two... The music that played us in was Dr. Dre featuring Snoop Dogg, Ain't Nothing But a G Thing, off Dre's 1992 classic album, The Chronic. How you feel about that one, TJ? Naturally love this album. I'm a California guy. Uh, this song is especially near and dear to my heart because it's my go-to karaoke song. So, uh, <laughs> no, listen, there, there's a science to this. If, if you find yourself in a situation where you have to do karaoke... Uh, and you're not comfortable, go to a rap song. You don't have to hit any notes. You usually just get to talk at a kind of fast pace. And if you do a song like this, you get to bring a partner up with you so you don't have to be on stage alone. So I'm not just giving football tips. I'm giving life tips here. Look at TJ with the Daily Fantasy karaoke tips. Man. DFS karaoke. You're writing them up, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Ain't Nothing But A G Thing is definitely one of my favorite songs. The Chronic is definitely one of my favorite albums of all time. But... Let's go right into week two. So, we got a lot to get into for week two. TJ and I will go through our top picks at each position, and then we'll have 4 for 4's owner, Josh Moore, on for our DFS theory segment to talk about how many cash game lineups we each use in a given week. So, week two, let's jump right into quarterbacks. The strongest play for me in week two is New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees 8900 on FanDuel 7800 on DraftKings only two defenses allowed more 20 plus yard passing plays than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did in week one Lovey Smith's cover two scheme was a bottom 10 defensive unit last season finishing 23rd in football outsiders pass defense DVOA They started off even worse this season. They are ranked dead last in the league in pass defense DVOA through a week. Tampa Bay allowed four touchdowns, 13 yards per attempt, and touchdowns on 25% of Marcus Mariota's pass attempts. Now remember, Mariota is a rookie quarterback in his first start. The Saints are 10-point home favorites, and Breeze historically performs better at home and when his Saints are a favorite. Now, another guy that I'm looking at is Cardinals quarterback Carson Palmer, 7,800 on FanDuel, 6,700 on DraftKings. The Bears finished as a bottom three team in completion percentage allowed last season, giving up 66.8% of completions. 
their yards per pass attempt allowed was 8.1. That was 30th in the league last season. And then their pass defense DVOA ranked 29th last season. Aaron Rodgers just walked all over the Bears' pass defense for a 78% completion percentage and 8.1 yards per attempt and three touchdowns. And Palmer, he's a very consistent option in 26 starts under Bruce Arians. Palmer has above 200 yards passing in 85% of those, including 14 of his last 15. And Palmer has thrown multiple touchdowns in 66% of his starts under Arians, including 11 of his last 15. Finally, Sam Bradford, 7,500 on FanDuel, 6,900 on DraftKings. His price didn't go up despite throwing for 336 yards last week, which was the third highest yardage total of his career through 50 starts. The Eagles are expected to score 29 points by Vegas under Chip Kelly. 62% of Eagles offensive touchdowns have come through the air. So you're looking at good multi-touchdown potential there. And then the Cowboys defense... Orlando Scantrick is out. Randy Gregory is out. They had some success against the Giants and Odell Beckham playing very conservative defense, but that plays right into the Eagles' strengths of spreading the ball around underneath. Now, I'm also looking at Matt Ryan in tournaments. I think Eli Manning and Tony Romo will also be under-owned, especially Romo considering that Des Bryant is out, but again, that game has a really high Vegas over and under. It could turn into a shootout, and Romo's a good enough quarterback that he can still produce without his top option. Now, TJ, I know that you love Mark Ingram at running back this week. Talk about him and tell us who else you're looking at at the running back position in week two. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say I'm pretty much on all those quarterbacks that uh, that you mentioned, those are those are really good picks. Probably guys I'll have in, in both cash games and tournaments. Uh, you talked about you know the Saints matchup, and it translates to their whole offense. And they're favored by ten at home. When I'm choosing cash game running backs, I really like heavy home favorites just because they they generally have a higher floor. Game script fits them better. Uh, like you said, high point totals. They have a 28 and a half uh, implied point total by Vegas, which is the second highest in the league. Uh, this might have been a little surprising to people last week. We didn't know what to expect with C.J. Spiller out. Mark Ingram caught eight passes on nine targets. He was a huge part of the passing game. Uh, C.J. Spiller still questionable. Um, I don't think he's going to play. It doesn't look like it. That that makes Ingram an even higher floor. If things do go awry, we know that he's going to be a part of their passing game. Um, like I said, it should be a, a good game script. If it's not, he'll still catch balls. Uh, some people might be a little scared if they watched that Saints game last week. He, uh, Mark Ingram only averaged 2.7 yards per carry in week one, but again, racked up over 90 yards through the air. Um, Tampa Bay allowed over six yards per carry to Bishop Sankey. Uh, we know Bishop Sankey wasn't great last year. Is he going to progress this year? Maybe, uh, but based on what we saw last year, he's not great in Tampa Bay, still allowed Sankey to eat. So I really like Ingram this week. I think he's in a great situation. I think he'll probably be uh, anchoring most of my cash game lineups. Uh, now, if you want to drop down in price, if you're looking for some value at running back, uh, my guy is Danny Woodhead. I, I don't think week one was an aberration. If you read any of my off-season work, you know that I thought Woodhead was a clear value going into this year. Uh, I think he's going to be a big part of this offense, no matter what the game script. 
I don't think Melvin Gordon is ready to take over that role full time. Uh, Woodhead and Gordon were in a virtual split. Uh, Gordon had 17 touches. Um, Woodhead had 16 touches. Um, in the red zone, Woodhead was the clear go-to guy. He had seven red zone touches to Gordon zero. Only Jeremy Hill and Chris Ivory had more red zone touches than Danny Woodhead in the first week. Uh, so when they get near the goal line, when they're looking to score, uh, Danny Woodhead's going to be the guy. He had six rushes. He had a catch. Uh, he had two targets. Uh, if you go back to the last time he was healthy for a full year f- for the Chargers in uh, 2013, he led the league in receptions in Inside the red zone. He's just going to be a huge part of the offense no matter where they're at on the field. And, and this game has an over-under of 45 and a half with a spread of three and a half. Uh, we saw both the Bengals and the and the Chargers put up some points last week. So this can this can really turn into a shootout. We saw San Diego struggle with a one-two punch of Detroit. So we might see they're targeting to, to slow down that the the running games and, and Dan it opens up the, the passing game for Danny Woodhead. We've seen him be a, a PPR monster. And look at his price. He's he's sixty two hundred on FanDuel. That's the thirty fifth ranked running back. He's four thousand on DraftKings. That's a fortieth ranked running back. Uh, this just has has value written all over it. Um, you know, if and then moving on to my third running back. If if for some reason you're not comfortable with Mark Ingram but you like that price range uh, Justin Forsett is a he. He looks like a really good pick to me. He's seventy eight hundred dollars on Fanduel, tenth price running back. He's sixty two hundred dollars on DraftKings. That's the ninth price running back. Again, favorites. They're not at home, but they're big favorites. Baltimore six points favorites over the Raiders. Uh, their implied point total twenty four means that they should have a lot of scoring opportunities. We know Forsett is going to stay on the field in the red zone. Uh, last week, the Raiders allowed 175 total yards and two touchdowns to the uh, to Bengals backs, to Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard combined. Uh, we know Trestman likes to get his running backs involved in the passing game. Again, like Ingram, if for some reason things do go awry, then uh, game script's not going to completely kill him because he's going to be part of the passing game. He had four catches on seven targets in week one. Uh, he had 18 total touches in a game that wasn't going great for the Ravens. And there's this chance that Derek Carr doesn't play for the Raiders. If that happens, game script looks to be even better for the Ravens and for Justin Forsett than what we would expect. Um, Chris, I think you might have had a few thoughts on Forsett. I do. You know, when I was initially looking at the running back plays for week one, Justin Forsett was my top play, you know, going against the Raiders, big favorites, a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, a guy who's going to be responsible for a large portion of the Ravens offense because they really don't have anything outside of him and Steve Smith in terms of skill position players. Now, the one thought I had as the week progressed, and this was especially after looking at the status of Eugene Monroe, who is the Ravens' left tackle, he left the game against the Broncos with a concussion. There is questions to whether he will play this Sunday. If he doesn't, I think it dampers the outlook for the Ravens' offense as a whole because Monroe's replacement, James Hurst, gave up seven quarterback hurries on 31 passing snaps last week. What, to me that suggests is that if the Ravens are without their starting left tackle, they may have a lot of trouble protecting the quarterback. If that's the case, then their whole offense may suffer. I think Forsett still may get a lot of volume, but on a site like FanDuel where you're really looking for that touchdown, I think that 
there are a few question marks as to can the Ravens move the ball down the field consistently enough if their passing game is compromised to even get into scoring range and allow Forsett to get one of those easy carries inside the 10, inside the 5, and cash in. So that was just something I'm keeping in mind. Check on the status of Eugene Monroe, the Ravens' left tackle, if he is not going to go just tamper expectations for the entire Ravens offense. Now, before we move on, I'd just like to mention FantasyAces.com offers exciting one-day fantasy leagues for NFL, college football, MLB, golf, NBA, and hockey. You'll love their unique roster flexibility, the accurate player pricing, and the unrivaled customer service you can only find at a family-owned business. The Fursina brothers treat all their customers like family. It's a personal touch that makes a huge difference, and it's something you won't find at any other DFS site. This NFL season, they're hosting the $500,000 Fantasy Aces football championship with a live final on December 13th in the world-famous Hardwood Suite at Palms Las Vegas. But you have to make it through one of the weekly qualifiers to get there. Here's an inside tip. You can earn value-priced qualifier entries by playing in the FAFC satellites. So join FantasyAces.com today and claim your 200% first-time deposit bonus with promo code 4 for 4 That's 4-F-O-R-4. Have a great time at FantasyAces.com, and good luck this week. To switch gears, let's jump right into wide receiver. Last week, TJ liked him, pointed out all the reasons why you guys should use him. I did. He caught 10 balls. I hope you guys used him too. Jordan Matthews, he's looking like a really good play again this week. He's 7,000 on FanDuel, 7,200 on DraftKings. Matthews was the only Eagle who saw over 20% of Sam Bradford's targets in Week 1. He drew an even 25%. The pace the Eagles play at always adds extra plays to the game, which helps raise players' floor and their ceiling. And then Jordan Matthews, if you check out 4 for 4's projections, and they are, if you didn't already know, have been one of the most accurate projections in the industry over the last five years. John Paulson does them. He does a great job with them. And we have Matthews projected to score the fifth most points at wide receiver on DraftKings and on FanDuel. Now, Matthews is priced as the 12th highest wide receiver at DraftKings, so there's value there. And then he's priced as the 20th highest receiver on FanDuel, so there's a lot of value there. So Matthews is a guy who, he's a wide receiver one, still being priced like a wide receiver two for DFS Mm -hmm. purposes. And I think you have to jump on that early in the season. There's a chance that we could be talking on this podcast later in the season and Matthews will be just as expensive as the A.J. Greens and the Calvin Johnson. So get on J-Mac week two. Cowboys-Eagles has the highest over-under of the week. It's a very similar setup to what happened last week with Eagles-Falcons. Then, in the same game, Terrence Williams, Cowboys wide receiver, 6,300 on FanDuel, 4,200 on DraftKings. With Des Bryant out, Williams becomes the Cowboys' number one receiver. The Eagles allowed 16 catches for 246 yards and two touchdowns to wide receivers in week one. Now, a lot of that was Julio Jones, but the Eagles also finished last season dead last in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And as far as Williams' usage, if you remove targets to Des Bryant, since the beginning of 2014, Williams has seen 20% of the Cowboys' targets, which is a decent number, especially at his discounted price point. But more importantly, he's seen 28% of the Cowboys' red zone targets 
if you take Dez out of the equation. Now that is a very high number. It shows that Romo will look for Williams in the red zone in a game with a high over-under against the Eagles. That is a very strong asset to have as a red zone target. Now, Williams is very proficient at scoring touchdowns. Since he came into the league, he has been one of the most efficient touchdown scorers with a touchdown every 10.8 targets. For comparison's sake, the guy he's replacing, Des Bryant, one touchdown every 10.7 targets. So Terrence Williams, on a per-target basis, has been producing just as many touchdowns as Des Bryant. He's going to have the same quarterback that Des had. Something to keep in mind. Williams, a lot of value, could have a lot of upside as well. Now, we haven't touched on any studs yet. Of course, Antonio Brown is always in play. I do expect Odell Beckham to rebound, and as long as Julio Jones hamstring isn't acting up, I think he will be a very solid play against the Giants as well. However, Keenan Allen went off last week. His price jumped up as a result. TJ, I know you had some thoughts on Keenan Allen in week two. Yeah, every week we're not going to get into fades or things like that, but I think uh, there's one player that's due for a letdown. Um, it's Keenan Allen. Uh, a lot of newer DFS players will see a player that that had a big week, especially in week one, which is you know that's the game that sticks out in our mind. It kicks off the season, and Allen just went off in week one. Uh, most catches, most targets. So it you know people remember that rookie year. They think he's back, and I do think he's going to have a good year, but. For DFS purposes this week, I, I think he is one of the most clear players to avoid. Um, on FanDuel, his price shot up. He's he's priced in the top five between Odell Beckham and Randall Cobb. Uh, that's insane. On DraftKings, he's priced right next to the guy that you talked about, Jordan Matthews, who I think is maybe the favorite to have the most catches and the most yards this week. Um, so his price alone makes me want to, you know, kind of shy away from him. But I, I went back and watched this game, and I know I, I said that I think the Bengals Chargers game could be a shootout, and that might naturally push you towards the main wide receiver on the Chargers. But I was watching the Chargers game against Detroit, and it looked like they were doing nothing but running these very short crossing patterns, very short dig routes. Uh, you know, so I went back and, and looked at the stats to see if, if uh, what my eyes were telling me is true, and, and I saw that out of all the quarterbacks in the league last week, uh, Rivers had the, the shortest targets of the week. He, uh, his average depth of target was only 3.7 yards. Uh, his passes to Keenan Allen only averaged 5.5 yards through the air. Uh, if you go back and look at, at their team last year, at what Rivers has traditionally done, uh, he averaged 9 yards per target last year, uh, uh, depth of target through the air. And so he likes to throw the ball downfield. I, I think that... Detroit was playing kind of a, a deep off zone. I, I think San Diego saw something in that, and we just saw him running these underneath routes all game, and the wide receivers running loose. So if this game does turn into a shootout, I think uh, we kind of see the Chargers go back to that targeting their tight end down the seam, you know, Ladarius Green. Uh, Malcolm Floyd is a big red zone target. We saw, uh, saw Philip Rivers throw a, a really bad interception 
uh, to Malcolm Floyd uh, in the corner of the end zone. It looked like Floyd wanted to go for a fade, and and uh, Rivers tried to throw this back shoulder. Some some miscommunication, but you know he's a guy that he's going to have a a deep average depth of target. He's a deep threat. He's going to catch a lot of uh, uh, red zone passes, and I I, I kind of see the Chargers going back to that even this. If that becomes a shootout, so um, be be wary of Allen. I think he's probably one of the most clear fades, probably uh, the biggest letdown candidate of week two. Uh, so that's just my thoughts. I just want to jump in and 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 give that point. But Chris, I think you have some some GP pit, GPP picks that you wanted to touch on. Sure, and those are great points about Keenan Allen. You know, schemes differ from week to week, and certainly the Bengals, seeing that Allen caught 15 balls last week, are going to do everything in their power to stop him. Now, as far as tournaments, here are some guys that I think have a lot of upside, especially at their price points, but they all come with a lot more risk than some of the guys I mentioned earlier. The first is Brandon Coleman of the Saints. He's 5000 on FanDuel. He's only 3.3 on DraftKings. He saw seven targets last week, scored a touchdown. Four of his seven targets were at least 15 yards down the field, and another was in the red zone. So he's getting high-value fantasy targets against a terrible defense with Drew Brees as his quarterback. Then we move on to Steve Smith Sr. He's 6,700 on FanDuel and 6,000 on DraftKings. He got predictably shut down by Denver Stout defense, especially cornerback Chris Harris last week. This week, he faces off against the Raiders secondary that suffers not only from a lack of talent, but now from the injury bug as well with Nate Allen going down and DJ Hayden also banged up. Now, again, I want to make sure that Ravens left tackle Eugene Monroe plays because his replacement, James Hurst, was giving up way too much pressure. And pressure can hurt the passing game. If Joe Flacco doesn't have time to set his feet, he's going to be hard-pressed to get the ball downfield to Steve Smith. But as long as he gets some protection... Steve Smith should be able to win consistently against the Raiders secondary. And then we have Pierre Garçon, 5,400 on FanDuel, 5K on DraftKings. He put up a 9-for-95 receiving line on 10 targets last season against the Rams in a game that Deshaun Jackson also missed. He could be a guy that's a target monster in the short passing game given the strength of Aaron Donald and St. Louis's pass rush. So that's my take on wide receivers. Let's now move on to tight end. TJ, are you paying up for Rob Gronkowski this week? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the conversation every week when we look at tight end. Uh, we didn't have to talk about it last week because the Patriots played on Thursday. Uh, but when you're looking at tight end, pretty much you're going to say, am I paying for Gronk? Am I not? Uh, this week, I think, is a little too expensive for my taste. Uh, 8300 on FanDuel. That's almost 14% of the salary, 13.8%. On DraftKings, he's $7,300. That's 14.6% of your salary. Uh, that's a lot of money to put into one player uh, that plays at traditionally the, the most high-variance position in the league. I know it's Gronk, uh, but any pass catcher is going to, to have high variance compared to those you know, 
high-priced quarterbacks or running backs, even Rob Gronkowski. So it's not even that I'm so much worried about the matchup. It's DFS all comes down to value. Uh, we're not looking at players in a vacuum. We're looking at how they affect the rest of our lineup. And I think I'm not going to be able to fit them in. I haven't built too many lineups yet, so if I start tinkering and I find that I can pay up for a pass catcher, sure, I'll pay up for Gronk. He is as reliable as any number one wide receiver. Um, but, you know, when he's priced up there with those number one wide receivers, I'm usually a little hesitant. So if I'm not paying up for Gronk, who's it going to be? Uh, you touched on the Redskins. Jordan Reed, he had 11 targets last week, which was the most among tight ends. Um, on FanDuel, he's priced at $5,000. That's the 19th uh, price tight end. 3700 on DraftKings, priced 10th, so the price adjusted a little bit for his performance last week. On FanDuel, it didn't. It's still really low compared to the other tight ends. Uh, when Kirk Cousins starts, Jordan Reed averages 10.5 targets per game. We already talked about Deshaun out. The targets have to go somewhere. Deshaun's not a huge volume guy, but he's a big part of that offense. And if we look at the red zone targets, uh, Chris, you've wrote about this on 4 for 4. Uh, we want targets. We really want red zone targets. Uh, the Redskins had five red zone targets on Sunday. Two of those went to Jordan Reed. That's 40% of the targets. He converted one of those into a touchdown, I believe. Um, so, you know, that's that's a guy we want in our lineup. High volume. Uh, even if that, that offense isn't going to be great, they don't have any pass catchers. I really like him. Another guy, high volume, uh, just in in a great situation because of uh, suspensions, he's Heath Miller. He's 5,400 on FanDuel, which is the ninth price tight end. He's 3,500 on DraftKings, which is the 12th price tight end. Listen, with Le'Veon Bell and Martavis Bryant out, Heath Miller, he's the second option in the passing game. Uh, Marcus Wheaton isn't good at football. He, he, he's awful. If, if, if you watched that game last week, I mean, I think most of us that pay attention kind of, uh, you know, already knew that, but he confirmed it. Um, Heath Miller was tied for Tyler Eifert with uh, the second most targets. They both had 10 targets, but Heath Miller is significantly cheaper. Um, he had three red zone targets last week. I talked about Reed with the red zone target. Uh, only Gronk and Graham had more red zone targets than Heath Miller. Uh, the Steelers are expected to score a lot of points. We look at Vegas totals. Uh, they're expected to score over 24 points. That's a lot of red zone trips. Uh, that's a lot of opportunities for Heath Miller to score. And, uh, you know, the, the 49ers played well against the Vikings. Vikings played bad, but one player that had a pretty good game was Kyle Rudolph. So, you know, maybe there's something there. We don't know yet. We don't have too much of a sample size, but they weren't good in one game against the tight end. Heath Miller had a good game. He's going to be the second option on what's going to be a really good pass offense. So, uh, you know, if I'm not paying for Gronk, those are the tight ends that really stand out to me. Um, so we got through the positional players. Chris, if, if you're uh, throwing in defense, who do you got this week? Sure, well, and I guess we've talked about this a lot now, going through Garcon and Reed. But mm-hmm. the first team, you know, I think you have to look at is the Rams. Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald is playing out of his mind right now. He was in the Seahawks' backfield pretty much just as much as Marshawn and, and Russ um, in, week one, <laughs> yeah. in week one. The Rams' D-line got loose for six sacks yeah. last week against a much more mobile quarterback than mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins in, in Russell Wilson. Now, pressure on the quarterback bodes very well for a defense facing Kirk Cousins because he turns over the football like it's a new leaf. (laughs) He's thrown a pick or taken a sack on nearly 20% of his career dropbacks. 
under pressure. He has been the most turnover-prone quarterback in the league since he entered it. So Rams against Cousins, high floor, high ceiling, great pick at defense. I'm anchoring my lineups with them. And then another defense that I'm looking at is the Dolphins, 5,100 on FanDuel, 3,300 on DraftKings. I think every week targeting the Jaguars seems to get lost because there's a a sexier new defensive option maybe going against a, a backup quarterback or something like that. But we have to remember with our DSTs, we're looking for sacks and we're looking for picks. And Blake Bortles ranks near the bottom of the NFL in sack rate, interception rate, and completion rate, which, by the way, is a strong predictor of future interceptions. So Blake Bortles has been struggling since he came into the league. He had a strong preseason before, and it did not translate into the regular season, as I touched on last week. Bortles threw a pick six last week to my guy, Panthers corner Josh Norman, and shouts to Josh Norman for retweeting me yesterday. By the way, (laughs) (laughs) the NFL retweet. I know, right? The Dolphins and the Rams are two defenses I'm looking at. And I think if you want to go off the map a little bit as a tournament play, I think you can look at the Patriots defense because you're going to have Bill Belichick going against a quarterback in his second career start. Bill Belichick has cheated against Rex Ryan enough times to know exactly how to screw him over. And, you know, I think there's a decent probability that the Patriots could really mess up whatever the Bills had planned on offense in week two. So those are my picks at defense special teams. Now let's get into my favorite position, kicker. TJ, take it away. Well, before I jump into kicker, let me just throw a quick tip out um, to the to the listeners. If you're in GPPs and you want to play that Dolphins D, uh, think about double dipping with Jarvis Landry. Uh, people always talk about the quarterback wide receiver stack. You can stack Landry with the defense. He's going to get a lot of targets. And then if he he scores like he did last week, you get the points for that return touchdown and from the defense special teams of the Dolphins. Uh, so that's a sneaky little upside play, guys. Uh, if you want to throw that into GPPs, that could work. Um, but let's uh, go ahead and jump into quicker uh, kicker quickly. Uh, Chris, last week you touched on it. You you want heavy Vegas favorites. You want a good offense. You want a high-scoring team. I think Zach Hawker fits the bill. Uh, the Saints kicker, he's minimum salary against Tampa Bay. We've went over many times why this is going to be a great matchup uh, for the Saints. Um, so more scoring opportunities for the team means more scoring opportunities for the kicker. Uh, if you want to go a little contrarian in your GPPs or if you have a little extra room, uh, Adam Vinatieri and Cody Parkey are both $5,000. Most people aren't going to pay up for kicker, so that's a nice little way to differentiate your lineup. If you have a little extra money left over, um, these two teams have point totals of 27 for the Colts, 30.25 for the Eagles. Uh, they're both big favorites, so I I expect both of those kickers to be very, very usable in DFS this week. So let's get into our weekly DFS theory segment. Joining us will be the owner of 4 for 4, Mr. Josh Moore. Josh, we really appreciate you coming on to talk some DFS with us. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me, guys. I'm stoked to be here. It's a beautiful day in East Lansing. Uh, Let's talk some DFS. Let's do it. So, Josh, you and I... We were talking about cash games, and specifically how many lineups we're using in cash games. And you had some really interesting points about that. So tell us, how many lineups are you using, and why? 
And let's see if I can remember any of those interesting points. So, I mean, for me, it really comes down to, you know, if I'm playing cash or GPP, uh, for the most part, I play cash games, at least my serious, like, okay, I'm going to try and actually grind out some, some profits. I'm playing cash games. And it really depends on the player pool any given week. Yeah, I, I just start out with the value reports we have on 4 for 4, and I cruise through them, and I look for players that really stand out. And any given week, you know, maybe there's four quarterbacks I like, maybe there's only one or two quarterbacks I like. But generally, I end up with a player pool of, say, like 15 to 20 guys that I really like. And then from there, I'll just kind of, you know, work out lineups and see what works. I like to use the lineup generator now that we've got on the site to kind of use that player pool and then come up with the top lineups and just look through them and see what lineups stand out to me. A lot of it's based around touchdown potential and how I think kind of the game flow is going to go. Obviously, I look at our projections and then, you know, I just I kind of end up falling in love with certain matchups and certain plays over the course of the week. So once I've got about, say, 15 or 20 players that I really like, then I just start making lineups. I normally end up with somewhere between, say, like 8 and 16 lineups. 16 would be a lot, but normally I have at least 8 cash lineups that I like. And then I like to – I play high volume, kind of low stakes, I guess, uh, cash game lineups. So I'll end up with 8 or 16 of them, play each one of them you know, basically as many times as I can get uh, games to fill and go from there. And then once I've got all – say if I've got all my $5 games filled, then I'll start, you know, move up to $10 games. And, yeah, so I got 8 to 16 lineups, and I just feel like when you're playing cash games, for me anyways, I know a lot of people like to just play their, their one or two optimal lineups, but I don't really feel like – I guess like I don't feel like a one or two point projection difference really is a suboptimal decision. You know, so I just – how many lineups do I feel comfortable with? I'm going to roll those out. And then normally on a week, you know, so – I mean, in DFS you have bad weeks, right? It happens, so – even on a bad week, I find if I'm playing, you know, say 10, 12 lineups, I'm going to still have three or four of those that are pretty good. And even on a bad week, I can normally minimize losses where I'm, you know, breaking even or, or losing just a little bit of money. And then on good weeks, I hit on, you know, a majority of my lineups and I, I cash big. All right. That was a lot, a lot of great points there. Very interesting. So, TJ, now, what are your thoughts on Josh's strategy? Are you playing as many cash game lineups as him talk us through your philosophy on how many cash game lineups you are playing yeah i'm, I'm not doing like a, a high volume in terms of number of cash lineups i do play high volume cash games but i really like the points that josh made just from a variance perspective and from pinpointing optimal lineup i mean from in one given week it's going to be really hard to pinpoint optimal lineup especially in nfl um, an injury can happen game flow can go not like we expect so Josh makes some really good points there. Um, I, I don't think there's any perfect strategy. I think a, a lot of it has to do with what your your goals and motivations are, and you're going to hear us talk about a lot of this on any of these theory topics that we bring up, uh, knowing what your goals are. Um, but even just between, for, for my decision, it's usually if I'm just going to go with a single lineup or two cash lineups on a site. And even the difference between that, there's a lot of argument and discussion about. Um, so the times I'm looking to, to go to, to multiple lineups or play two lineups on one side or one when salaries are very loose because when that happens, there are going to be uh, more values just 
across the board on the site. There are going to be more players you want exposure to. There are going to be a lot of players you could fit into your lineups. Um, so, you know, when that happens, there's going to be uh, a lot of overlap in the lineups because there's going to be these really uh, there's going to be these really clear, uh, um, really big values, uh, and that's going to lead to more variance when you have more more overlap. And another time I like to use multiple lineups is is when I'm unsure about what to expect. Uh, last week was a perfect example. It's early in the season. There are a lot of new position players, new quarterbacks, new offensive coordinators, new head coaches. Uh, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. So in that spot, I feel like there's going to be even more variance. I want to play more lineups because I don't think I could predict what's going to happen like I can four weeks into the season. Uh, when am I going to go with just one lineup on a site? Well, this is what I'm, I prefer to do, but it's not always uh, that easy just to pinpoint an optimal lineup like Josh said. Uh, when I'm very confident in my values, I'll go single lineup. When maybe there are only two or three teams that are favored by a big amount by the Vegas Lions and they and they have a very clear stud running back, say uh, the Steelers are favored by seven, you know, I'm going to get Le'Veon Bell probably in 100% of my lineups. Um, when I don't feel like I'm missing out on, on exposure to very clear values uh, because I'm going single lineup, uh, again, that kind of ties into when salaries are loose, when they're tight. Uh, you know, if, if there are only a few guys that I think are, are good values, I'm not going to force uh, diversification in my lineups just because I want to play more than, more than one lineup. And like I said, that's kind of uh, when salaries are getting, getting tight now. Uh, I was in Vegas this weekend, and I was talking to uh, Al Zeidenfeld, Al Schmizzle, who's one of the uh, best DFS players in the world, one of the most popular guys, and we were talking about this exact subject. Uh, Should you play multiple lineup? Uh, You know, like I said, it it depends for me. And he made a really good point, and when he said it, it, it... it was kind of intuitively, if you think about it, it's kind of obvious, but it's something I haven't implemented into my strategy. Uh, you can make one lineup, and then you can diversify your cash games by playing different slates. So, you know, you can just play a Sunday slate of cash games, and you could play the Sunday to Monday cash games, or you can play the primetime only cash games, and that's going to do a couple of things. It's you're going to be forced to make slightly different lineups because slates are going to have different games and you're also going to be exposed to different lineups that you're facing. So maybe you'll only have small variations in your lineup, but then you're going to be facing variations in the the teams you're playing against. And just using those slates alone, that could be a way to add some diversification to your cash lineups. Uh, So not a specific answer, but that's kind of the thought process I go to when deciding how many lineups I'm going to use. Um, Josh, did you have something else to say about that? Oh, yeah. So I was just saying one one reason, I guess, that I do – play multiple lineups is because with the NFL we only I mean depending on if you feel good playing week 17 or in the playoffs you know we only really have say 20 weeks of playable games or some people might think we only have 16 weeks of playable games I mean you can you know there's definitely ups and downs in DFS and that's a great point you made about playing the different slates but with only you know say 16 to 20 iterations if you're if you're playing one lineup every week for me anyways the possibility of you know a very naturally occurring cold streak could last you know several weeks where I, I like to get out multiple lineups and kind of lower the variance that way just in consideration of how few you know slates we actually have to play yeah that that makes a ton of sense because 
because like I said, you want to talk about your motivations, your goals. I mean, if you're a guy that plays every single sport and you're trying to do this for a living, it might be very smart to uh, play multiple lineups because you really want to limit that downside. You're trying to grind out a living. If you're someone like me that only plays NFL and I kind of want to maximize my upside for the season and you know try to win a, a decent chunk of money in that when I don't, I don't get to play for eight more months, uh, then maybe single lineups a good idea. So again, it just goes back to uh, self-evaluation, knowing what you really want want to uh, get out of the game uh, Chris w- what are your takes on how you approach lineup construction as far as how many you play sure TJ um, I personally play one to two cash game lineups I aim to play one and that's uh-huh. because I am looking for that optimal lineup and when I say optimal lineup I don't necessarily just mean by the numbers projected I just mean the lineup that I feel the most confident in, the lineup where I've looked at and said, okay, well, if A, B, and C goes wrong, what's going to still be the strongest lineup? I'm looking at my competition. Who's going to be the chalk plays? Am I going to miss out on a value by not playing this guy? I'm just looking for that one best lineup. And then from there, once I have that best lineup, I see if there's any small changes I can make to it that would keep it just as strong. And if so, then I might play two or three lineups. So maybe if there's a defense that's the same exact price as the one I'm playing, maybe I'll split those lineups up into two and play one with one defense and one with the other. If there is maybe, maybe I have a expensive running back with a value wide receiver that adds up to the same price as a expensive wide receiver and a cheap running back that I like, I might play both combinations and divide that up 50-50. But in general, I'm usually playing one lineup, especially on FanDuel where there's no multi-position flexibility. Mm-hmm. I think that really comes into play a lot because because you have less, less flexibility with the flex slot, there's less things you can do. And I think on FanDuel, I find myself kind of looking at a certain lineup in a given week that I believe is the strongest lineup. Now, Josh brought up a lot of great points about risk and how to mitigate it uh, by playing multiple lineups. The way I personally mitigate risk while playing a less number of lineups is that I am playing the majority of my cash games in head-to-heads against a diversified group of opponents. So even if I have a bad lineup, let's say it finishes in the the 25th percentile, so you know 75% of lineups are better than me in a given week, I will still win around 25% of my head-to-heads with that one lineup. So I'm just really looking for my risk mitigation in in terms of playing head-to-heads rather than diversifying. Again, like you said, TJ, in the NFL season, there's only about 20 weeks to play, so I am trying to give myself some upside and not move off what I think are the most optimal plays in a given week. Now, I will say this. If you guys out there are playing in a lot more 50-50s and you're playing in a lot more double-ups, then I think you should be diversifying your lineups more because, like I said, if you're playing in head-to-heads, then your true winning percentage will show. But if you're playing in 50-50s and double-ups, you could have a, a lineup that is just below the cutoff. And if it's just below the cutoff and you only played one lineup, you will lose all of your games. Whereas if you play in head-to-heads and you have a lineup just below the cutoff, you'll still win probably about 40 to 45% of your games at least. So... That Those are my thoughts on lineup diversification. Both of you guys, TJ and Josh, you brought up great points. Uh, that was a really interesting conversation. And, you know, one of the reasons I really do love DFS is because there's a lot of strategy involved above and beyond just picking players. Now, 
Speaking of DFS, Josh, 4 for 4 has been doing some big things in the DFS space lately. There's the brand new DFS subscription, for one. Tell listeners more about why they should subscribe to the DFS package and also about what they can expect from 4 for 4 in terms of DFS going forward. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I forget sometimes that this is new to our subscribers because I've been, you know, you and I and uh, the rest of our team has been working on it for, I don't know, six, eight months now. But, yeah, we launched uh, – last week we launched the DFS subscription package. That's uh, our second subscription package at 4 for 4. And it contains a bunch of things. First and foremost, it contains a bunch of content from you, Chris. Uh, we've got an MIT researcher that's putting out an article on Saturdays with – optimal he's kind of he calls it optimal lineup so he he puts in a few players so he's got like five or six players in the lineup and then there's a few empty slots and he gives recommendations for different options there that's a great article i really like it helps with lineup building we've got gpp and cash breakdowns for all of our partner sites at FanDuel, DraftKings, fantasy aces and fantasy feud We've got an article specifically about stacking where a guy named Joey, he's new to the site this year, he is writing about stacks specifically, and there's some really good content there. We've got a bunch of other stuff that Chris and the other guys at 4 for 4 are doing that's really awesome. So we've got a lot of content. I think we have like 15 articles a week, mm-hmm. which is really bumping up our content schedule there. So there's a lot of stuff to read for those of you out there that like to read. I know a lot of you don't, though, so we've got the podcast. I'm glad you guys are listening. And then we've also got some great tools and reports that we built just for DFS players. Uh, I talked to you, Chris. I talked to some other people and myself. You know, what do we need specifically? What do we want as DFS players to, to have at our fingertips? So we built the stack report. I think that was your idea, Chris. And it highlights the top two-man stacks, the top three-man stacks, the top four-man stacks. And it shows them by projected point, by value. You can order the report however you want and just get a look at all the possible stack combinations. That's really powerful. We've got a CSV export with pricing data. I've had a few guys tell me on Twitter, like, that report alone, being able to download that stuff to Excel, saving them a couple, two, three, four hours a week just having us do the work, and then they can just download it. And then uh, uh, the number one thing that I've been hearing from subscribers that they like so far is the lineup generator, and it's a really powerful tool. It takes our value reports to the next level, and it lets you, like I was saying earlier, you can pick a player pool so you can go through the value reports and just kind of select players that you like at each position, and then click the lineups tab, and it does the work for you, and it spits out the top 50, not the top one, but the top 50 lineups according to projected point with the player pool you like. So I just use that to select players I like, and I don't you know, say, okay, I'm going to play all 50 of these are necessarily going to play the top one, but I just use it to mess around and generate lineups, and then I look through them and say, okay, what lineups do I like? And then I might even, you know, take those and, and swap out a guy or two. But I just use that as a, a basis, you know, so I can look and say, am I really making good lineups that project to score well? And then I go from there. That's been a really powerful tool, and we've got uh, a lot of great enhancements coming to that over the next few weeks. So the DFS tool... And we've got a ton of new features that we're hoping to roll out throughout the year this year and then even into next year. So there's going to be a lot of great stuff coming. I hope to have the ability to save lineups and see your ownership percentage of different players. We're adding, going to be adding some download capabilities to uh, Excel for the lineups that are generated and a whole bunch of different things. So stay tuned. There will be more. It's only 79 bucks if you already have a subscription to our season-long uh, product that we've been you know, we've been rolling out since 1999. Then it's only 50 bucks to upgrade. 
that works out to something like $2.50 a week if you're playing all season long. So it's a great value. Thank you for that, Josh. That was really great. Listeners, the DFS subscription package, it really is awesome. I know a lot of you guys are listening, you know, to hear me, to hear TJ, to hear our opinion. And just want you guys to know I've been working behind the scenes on this subscription package for a long time. It has everything that I think is necessary to be a very highly profitable player in DFS. So go out, check it out, get that. Buy our subscription package. (laughs) You know, do what Josh says. He's the man. But uh, no, Josh... I really want to thank you for uh, joining me and TJ here today on DFS MVP. It was a pleasure, my man. Thanks for having me, guys. I am stoked about the DFS MVP podcast. I'm really glad that you guys were willing to do it this year, and I've been listening, and it's awesome, and I hope to come on again sometime. All right, we'll definitely have you on. And TJ, you brought the heat, as always. Thank you for co-hosting with me. Thank you. And Josh, like Chris said, thanks for coming on. Thanks for... uh, Everything you're doing for the site, like like Josh said, that that uh, subscription is amazing. Just that lineup builder alone is worth the price of, of subscription. That thing, I've I've used it. I used it in week one a lot. It's it's really 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 a great tool. Along with everything else, I'm I'm pretty excited, guys. Definitely. So this wraps up the week two edition of DFS MVP Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast. You can find Josh Moore on Twitter at. 444 underscore Josh. You can find my co-host TJ Hernandez on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. And you can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Again, be sure to check out 444 Football's all-new DFS subscription. And be sure to enter the FanDuel 444 Football Championship. You can play against me, Josh, TJ, 444's John Paulson and all of our experts by going to the 444 homepage and clicking on the banner on the bottom right corner of the screen. Good luck in week two. Let's get this money. Well, if it's good enough to get broke off a proper chunk, I take a small piece of some of that funky stuff. It's like this and like that and like this, Santa. It's like that and like this and like that, Anna. It's like this and like that and like this, Santa. Drake creep to the mic like a fan. Well, I'm peeping and I'm creeping and I'm creeping. But I damn near got caught because my people kept beeping. Now it's time for me to make my impression felt. So sit back, relax, and strap on your seatbelt. You've never been on a ride like this before. With a producer who can rap and control the maestro.